1: Welcome to uh, River Valley. If you're a guest with us, man, I'm so thankful you are here. You can be turning your Bibles, uh, Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 18. But I want to do a little bit of theology today uh, as a part of a setup. Theology is so important in that when we approach Christ, that we approach Him in the way uh, that He is. He does not move or change, so we have to understand Him correctly and the, the places and the things of Him in order to really and truly benefit and so, uh, I want to show you why I'm doing this here in just a second. It relates to this verse. Uh, so, but let me give you a, a verse that's really important. This is uh, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. And so, don't go there. Go to first. Kings, uh, that'll be up on the screen. So, here we go. So, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. Then verse 17 says, why? So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, I want to show you a few things in this that's so important. First of all, it's all Scripture, all Scripture is is profitable, is good, is helpful for us to learn to grow in Jesus Christ. And so, uh, what we're going to see is, sometimes people have a wrong idea when we talk about all Scripture of Old Testament and New Testament. So, they'll think that Old Testament, uh, that's that's uh, helpful, and that's kind of the setup for the New Testament, but that's not true. The Bible says all Scripture, and Jesus uh, only had the—when uh, Jesus preached, uh, they only had the Old Testament. So, the, New, the Old Testament is important for us. It is important for us to look at it and understand it. Uh, in fact, many, many passages in the Bible, the foundational text or the premier teaching on a subject is found in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah 58, fasting. Jesus builds on that in the New Testament, and a few of the other writers do. But, but the premier, the foundational teaching is Old Testament. So that is the Scripture, is the Word of God. Sometimes I've heard people say things like, um, uh, that, uh, the red letters, if you you have a red letter edition, what it is, is basically that Jesus's words are written in red in the gospels. That's interesting. That's fun. But it's not like that is more holy or more Bible than anywhere else. And so, so don't get that idea. You're like, well, that's not red letter. I don't know. No, no, no. It's all scripture is God breathed. And so this passage that we're going to read today is just as important as the new Testament is just as important as, um, uh, you know, Jesus is teaching and it builds us somewhere. The reason that I say this is that I have a tendency to skip passages like this because there is zero flash in here today. I mean, there is like he is he is walking towards the big setup. Next week is like awesome. You know, if you don't like this sermon, come back. Give us another shot. All right. I mean, because today it's all about it's basically today is the capstone on a on about three and a half years of Elijah being prepared for this great and important moment. And so for three and a half years he's prepared for that and, and we, we're gonna see that and we're gonna see and it's so important that you understand that what he's doing is is the reason that next week happens. The reason Elijah's successful next week is 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 because of this week. Is because of the preparation, Is because of what he's done along the way. And so, uh, one of my, uh, I, I do quotes a lot. I, I do quotes so often, I don't even remember who said them anymore. So, somebody really important and cool said one time, uh, cha- champions aren't made champions in the ring. They're simply recognized there. Champions become champions in practice. And that's what we're looking at today. It's not near as, as, as edgy and neat as the championship fight, but this is the practice session. And we're going to see two people, Elijah and Obadiah, and what they did— to be prepared for God to use them mightily. What does it look like to be prepared for God to use you in your life? Now truly, um, any success um, would follow the same things that we're going to talk about today. So this has this has uh, one main idea in the sense of this is what they did to prepare spiritually, but it has a lot of applications. For anything that you want to be good at, these are some of the ingredients that you have to incorporate into your life. So if you want to be good in your job, in your marriage, in finance, in raising children, in anything. These things need to be there for you to be successful. So I want to set all that, and the reason I wanted to show you that is so that we could set it up correctly so that it's not this idea of like, oh, like they got ready to do something cool, because that's all that's going to happen. I mean, I'm telling you right now, but this is the Word of God. It really and truly has power in your life. So, In order to to help remind us of that today, we're going to go old school. First Kings chapter 18, I want you to stand as we read the Word of God today. Stand as we read God's Word, beginning in verse 1 all the way through 19. After a long time, the Word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Go and present yourself to Ahab. I will send rain on the surface of the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. The famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a man who greatly feared the Lord and took a hundred prophets and hid them, fifty to a cave, and provided them with food and water when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets. Ahab said to Obadiah, Go throughout the land to every spring and to every wadi. Perhaps we'll find grass so that we can keep the horses and the mules alive and not have to destroy any cattle. They divided the land between them in order to cover it. Ahab went out one way by himself, and Obadiah went the other way by himself. While Obadiah was walking along the road, Elijah suddenly met him. When Obadiah recognized him, he fell face down and said, Is it you, my lord, Elijah? It is I, he replied. Go and tell your lord Elijah is here. But Obadiah said, What sin have I committed that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death? As the Lord your God lives, there's no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent me someone to search for you. When they said he's not here, he, uh, he made the kingdom or the nation swear that they had not found you. Now you say, go tell your Lord Elijah's here. But when I leave you, the spirit of the Lord may carry you off to some other place. I don't know. Then when I go to report to Ahab and he doesn't find you, he'll kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord with my mouth. Wasn't it reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets? I hid a hundred of the prophets of the Lord, fifty men to a cave, and provided them with food and water. Now you say, go tell your Lord Elijah is here. He will kill me. Then Elijah said, as the Lord of the armies lives in the presence I stand, today I will present myself to Ahab. Obadiah went to meet Ahab and said to him, The uh, Lord—then Ahab went to meet Elijah, and and Ahab said to Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, the one ruining Israel? He replied, I have not ruined Israel, but you and your father's family have, because you have abandoned the Lord's commands. You have followed the the balls. And— Now summon all of Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel, along with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah uh, who eat at Jezebel's table. So this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You guys may be seated. All right. So what I want to do today, I want to look at... Um, both uh, uh, Elijah and Ahab's life, what did they do to be prepared for the moment that we're about to see next? And so, what was it like? What was the preparation process? So, for uh, uh, one of the things for Elijah in verse 18, it says, after a very long time. So, we're about to see this one amazing day In Elijah's life And it's the one he's known for That's next week But in order for him to be prepared for that The Bible says in the third year James chapter 5 says three and a half years So we got three and a half years Of preparation from the time he told The wicked king Ahab that you're Sinning you need to come back to God There's going to be no rain on the land And three and a half years of preparation For one day's Worth of work so a very long Time preparation takes a very long Time if you want to have a big-time impact in the kingdom of God, then you are going to need a big-time investment. Oh, by the way, nothing's going to be up here today. This, this passage took me so long to study uh, this week. So, I study hard and I study early, but this passage, I was like, I don't know what to say. Uh, so, it took me a lot longer than it would have. So, uh, I got something to say. Don't worry about it. It's probably good. Uh, but uh, none of it's going to be up here. So, but a big time, so in other words, write this down. It's important. Uh, a big time impact in the kingdom of God requires a big Time investment You've got to give time To what you want to be successful in If you want to be successful in Christianity You've got to give time How was was Elijah doing that? He says later on, he says, I stand in the presence of God. He was learning how to pray. In fact, the whole whole way that he changes the world is he prays down fire from heaven next week. He is a man of deep prayer. So we're going to have to invest our time if we are going to be used in the kingdom of God. But this this is time in obscurity. Like, I mean, no one sees him when he's doing that. And this is time and repetition. It's like every day is the same. No, nothing seemed to change. No, nothing big seems to happen in my life. That's, that's what Elijah had been through for a long, long, long period of time. We have to be willing to go through that if we're going to be used in the kingdom of God. In his book, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell is a really interesting writer. He writes about the rule of 10,000. The rule of 10,000 is that anyone who wants to be world-class in anything must give at least 10,000 hours of focused practice to that thing. Any, you know, world-class concert pianist, any athlete, you must give ten thousand hours of focused practice to that so I, I was trying to calculate how many hours i had preached over the time and you guessed it it's not anywhere close to ten thousand hours and so so you know I'm, we're not there yet we haven't arrived and so you've got to give incredible amount of time uh i've known uh, personally one professional athlete in my life and uh uh, I was talking to him about what it took to become a professional athlete, and he was talking about his practice regimen. And he gave me this book about—recommended uh, this book, and I read it, and it was, it was about how to focus in practice. How to mentally use practice and evaluate how you do it and, and do it better tomorrow. In other words, you can go out there, and, and he was a professional motor, uh, motocross rider, and you can go out there for the big night and win the, win the, uh, the race, but his was all about how he practiced, how he, how he worked. And in the book, it said, the pursuit becomes their passion. In other words, getting to the place, the practice becomes what they are obsessed on over and over again. So, I've thought about that with my life. I've thought about that with um, the last few years, and I'm trying to become world-class in prayer. I'm, I'm trying to become world-class in prayer. I think it is the secret of the godliest people that we know. And and uh, frankly, I was not good at it for many, many years. There were, there were whole days that went by that my entire prayer life would have been my prayer before a meal, which in our house, the rule is saying, say, thank you, Jesus, for the food, not catch up on your lack of prayer time. All right, that's a good rule, okay? So Jesus, thank you for this food. If somebody, you know, one other thing but then we're moving on, okay? Don't catch, the food's getting cold. Uh, so, so, so I mean, it was very, very minimal. And, and so I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to focus, I'm trying to give them the best time of my day towards prayer, and I'm trying to evaluate that. And I thought about this idea this week, because uh, uh, if, if you've ever been to my house, I've got this really great backyard, and I've got this really great porch, and it looks out on the golf course, and it's, it's really uh, nice. And so I've moved recently uh, to the back porch, for my prayer time, but thinking about this text and, and focus practiced and getting better, I kind of really think I need to move back to my closet where I'm just facing a board like there's this much distance. The reason is, is after I read this, I was really sort of convicted because there are squirrels in my backyard. And and seriously, okay, I mean, there are, and I'm, I'm really, I'm not an ADD. I'm not, not highly distractible, but there's these two squirrels and every morning they chase each other. And, uh, there's one squirrel, they'll climb up these trees, and my trees are you know 40, 50 feet in the air, and they'll go on those branches, you know, and branch the, and then they'll jump to another branch, and and you know, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. And there's one squirrel that I've seen him do it twice, miss the branch. <laughs> and you know, and he just it just I mean like boom, and I'm like, man, is he dead? And he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. I mean, you know, <laughs> I just and I always picture that squirrel going, hold my beer, watch this, you know, every time. And it's funny, but I think Jesus is. Is like, focus, come on, come on back, all right, all right. Okay, I'm sorry, you know, because I've seen it a hundred times And so, so I need to, I, I want to get better I, I, You know, I, I uh, it's, it's very nice to be out there But I, w- I want to get better at that And so we've got to give time to what we want to be great in Like, like you've got to give time to your marriage You've got to give time to your children You've got to give time And you've got to look at what steals time what steals it away from you and what—and and how you can use it effectively. Now, don't make the—the the, 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 the easiest mis- mistake is, is what I call the Navy SEAL mistake. The Navy SEAL's like, I'm going hardcore. I'm going to do it right, you know, and you're like—and you do it for like four days, and then you break off. Don't do that. So, it's okay to watch Netflix. It's just not okay to watch all of Friends at one sitting on Netflix, you, you know. It's just—that's not okay. Like, take a break. You know, go on a walk with your wife, do something. So, are you focusing, are you giving serious time to what you say you value? Elijah did three and a half years of concentrated prayer. Next week we're going to see him pray like a, I think it's like 28-word prayer and all heaven breaks loose. It's amazing. Because he focused on the front end, he gave a big investment a very long time. The Bible says. Now Elijah meets up with Obadiah. Uh, this this may or may not be the author of the book of Obadiah. It seems like they're not, um, uh, but it, it doesn't matter. It's a very common name, in other words, and it seems like their timelines uh, don't line up. But he's mentioned in Scripture as this godly man, and so let's let's use, use let's use uh, Obadiah for that. The first thing that we're going to see, and I want you to see. Uh, with this is their connection in Christianity, their connection in life together. You are physically in Christianity never alone, but you may be lonely. You may be lonely. There's there may be a moment where God puts you alone so that you learn that He's all that you really need, that He is sufficient for everything that you have. But the moment you think, well, you know, I'm the only one that's serving the Lord, it's not true. Obadiah comes along and says, hey, they're killing the prophets, but I've hidden 50 in one cave, 50 in the other, so that's 100 plus me and you, we got 102. Uh, so you're not alone in living for Jesus. Some of you may be in situations where you feel like you are for a season, uh, maybe in your class, in your group, at your work, what, wherever it is, uh, and, and a lot of times people are like, Every Everybody I know is not living for the Lord. Well, go meet some people that do, uh, is, is the easy thing to say there, because you are not alone in, in, in that way. And so you've got to be very careful about that. However, uh, you may—you you will be outnumbered. You will be outnumbered. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, that narrow is the gate that people enter the kingdom of God. And there's just few on that road. But wide is the gate that leads to destruction. There's many there. So you will be outnumbered, but you're not alone. There will be a lot of people as, that surround you that need Christ. There will be people that don't live for him in, in this way. And you need, to, you need to go and find those people that you can really iron sharpens iron uh, be around in that way. So you need to choose uh, your inner circle well. Now, adults, don't look at your kids and go, yeah, I'm talking to you. All right, I mean, it's true for your kids. But frankly, I, I think adults, you know, you, you know just kind of like anything goes, you need to find some godly friends. I've, I've said it a lot of times about, about Bastrop. I think one of the problems with Bastrop is there's too many good guys and not enough godly men and and I, I'm, I'm, I I think that so many of us say, "Oh I, I like that guy, I hang out with that guy, I hang out with that guy, and they're good guys, and you want to so that you can influence them for for Christ, absolutely, but your inner circle really and truly ought to be godly men, people that you can pray with, people that you can text with problems and not just you know kind of fair weather, and definitely not just loss where they, they won 't talk about the deep things of God with. you need some of those in your life, and that 's uh, what Elijah or excuse me, uh, what Elijah had in Obadiah, uh, the old um, 70s, there's an old uh, um, speaker, his name is Charles Tremendous Jones, if you know him, and he used to say, in five years you'll be the exact same person except for the books you read and the people that you hang out with. Except for those two things. And this day, you could expand it a little bit, the ways you learn, because there's other ways to learn, especially now without books, but the things that you learn, but the people that you hang out with will always, always, always affect you greatly. Make sure that you're choosing well. I heard a great illustration just this week, um, uh, author. I picked up one of his books, and I was listening to a podcast about him because I, I didn't know him before. And uh, he said, he said, I was a sophomore in college, and he said, I was a tremendous track star in high school. And then I went to college, and I discovered that I wasn't that special. Uh, you, you know, everybody has those moments, right? Uh, and so, he went to college, and he, and he, he didn't get a scholarship. He walked on. Uh, he walked on the track the track uh, team, uh, and uh, he was still a walk-on after two years, and, uh, and, and hadn't got a spot on the roster. And he asked the coach one day, and he said, he said, you know, like, what do I need to do to get a spot here? And he was like, he said, and the coach said, oh, that's easy. He said, change your friends. he, was, and he said, what are you talking about? And the coach said, I've seen you here for two years. And he said, I see you hanging out with those guys. And he pointed out to, to, to the guy's group of friends and they were all, cu- it was after practice. So they, they weren't doing anything wrong, but they were all sitting on the high jump mats cutting up. He said, but never once have I seen you even talk to those two guys. And he pointed out the two All-Americans who were on the team who were doing some extra laps. He said, if you'll start hanging out with those two guys, he said, they will show you what you need to get to the next level. And I love what the author said, because he said, he said, I would, I would love to tie this up in a nice bow that says, and then I went and you know, won the Olympics. He said, that's not true. He said, that's, that's not true that I, I didn't have that kind of potential, but this is what he did say. He said, I got a partial scholarship and one year I won, I was all conference in my event. He said, he said, I got a partial scholarship. He said, my mom was a single mom and took an extra job to pay for me to go to school and he said, I got to tell her You don't have to work that anymore Because I got this scholarship over here That covered it And he said, I became all conference He said, and literally the only thing that He said, a lot of the way I acted changed But it didn't feel that way He said, I just started asking those guys Hey, what do you guys do? Well, you know, here's what we do And I just started hanging out with them Guys, I'm telling you right now I'm telling you I'm telling you, you really and truly ought to evaluate the, the, uh, As adults, the people that you spend The most time with Can you honestly pray with them? Do they tell you what God is doing in their life? Do they tell you, ask you what God is, the the iron sharpens iron concept. That's what Obadiah was. That's why God sent Obadiah to Elijah and it made all the difference in his life. And we're gonna see when Elijah falls, it's because he forgets about Obadiah in the days to come. Now, um, so you're never ever alone in that moment. Now, uh, next, why was Obadiah used? What, what made Obadiah a, a godly person? We find out a couple of things. Number one, in verse three, um, he was, Obadiah, the very last sentence, Ob- Obadiah was a man who greatly feared the Lord, greatly feared the Lord. When we hear that, we think of afraid. Um, you know, you think of phobias and that, that, you know, I'm afraid of those things. That's not what that word means. It means reverence. Uh, the way I wrote it was, it, it means you need to have familiarity with God. All right? you, you need to know Him, but you never need to have flippancy with God. So you need to continue to, like, I know you well, and you know me, and we can talk openly and honestly, but I don't, I I still come to you as the God of the universe. I fear you, you, you are uh, worthy of praise. I love that, that verse that when the Bible says, when Jesus appears, every knee will bow. It's not because an angel's standing over him going, here he comes, here he comes, you need to bow when he gets in. It's when you see how amazing Jesus is, you cannot help but bow. Every knee. I mean, lost people will bow, animals will bow, the entire trees will bow, the entire world will bow to the magnificence of Jesus Christ. So we can know him, but we need to fear him, we need to have a reverence in who he is. Let me, let me explain it to you in a way that I think uh, comes across to most of us, Uh, and that is, uh, whose approval are you seeking? Whose approval are you seeking? And maybe the inverse of that: Who are you afraid to disappoint? Who are you afraid to disappoint? Now, let me be real honest. I, I love it when I can. I love it when I can go. Hey, this is in the Bible, and I, I'm trying to do this, but I don't do a great job. I am a recovering approval addict. Anybody like me? You're like, I love it when people love me. I do so many things. Like, you, you know, they're like, you know what I love is I. I love, you know, knitting. You're like, wow, so do I, yeah you know, and you're just like, what about I? I just saying? Like, I'm just trying to connect with them on some level. You, you know, like I, I got into ministry. I love people and it never dawned on me that some people wouldn't like me. Uh, that never dawned on me. I was like, of course. And then some people didn't like me. And I was like, oh no. Uh, I mean, it just, it took me for a loop. I mean, early in my ministry, it was so hard because I, I loved people. And so there were people that just didn't like me. There were people that just didn't like me. And I, I was so tempted to go the way that they wanted me to go. I, I, I remember early on, if you were here in the early days of River Valley, I mean, we just needed some enough people to come so we look like a real church. That was it. I mean, you, you know, they're like, they were like, uh, you, you, you know, you're like, uh, I mean, it, it really was. And and so there was a guy that came in one time, and uh, and he was asking me about River Valley, and uh, I remember just thinking, oh, he's he's a mature Christian, and 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 all of this, and and uh, and let me be real honest, it was funny. He said he said we we stopped when we moved, we, we didn't, we continued to tithe to a savings account. Um, and so that when we find a new church, we'll tithe, uh, to our new church, all of this back tithe. And you know, my evil mind is like, I want that money. Uh, (laughs) Come on now. All right. You know, and then, but he asked me all these questions about how he was kind of old school. And I mean, we've just never been that way. And so, so I, you know, had to say, here's why we're doing it that way. And I had to look at him and say, we're not going to do it that way. I'm not saying that. That's wrong i'm just saying there's a lot of those churches out there and we're not that and i had to i had to I, I remember it was the first time i just stood up and i was like no we're not gonna do that even if it means we we lose the money and, and i and i honestly uh with integrity said that you know i still wanted him to come but but not at at the, the diminishment of this vision and i remember him just saying sitting there thinking a second and he' going yeah, that sounds pretty good. We'll, we'll come. And I was like, it worked. You know, like, and because of that, I never fought him over, over anything that we were doing. I mean, he was always a, a great supporter. We've got to be careful that we, who are we trying to have approval from? Who are you? I mean, who, who is it? Because I think because God's grace is sufficient, sometimes we just think, oh, God will forgive us. But these people over here, man, I'll I'll lose influence. These people over here, they won't like me. These, you know, I won't be in this crowd or that crowd. And again, I'm talking to you as adults, not your children, because we are the exact same way. We've got to be careful. Obadiah feared the Lord, and he went a step beyond approval and disapproval. All right, we're going to talk about how he did right uh, in his job, but here's the deal. Anytime that it contradicted the word of God, Jezebel, Ahab's wife, she's killing prophets. She's killing the people of God. So Obadiah hides those prophets at his own life's expense. So it's not approval. Like if he gets caught, she's going to kill him. I mean, instantly. She's done it before. She's going to try to do it again. And you and I, if we can't get over this approval thing in our day, what's going to happen if we are in the end times? I don't know, and neither do you. But if we are in the end times, then the Bible says there will be a worldwide persecution of Christians. It's very clear. So, if we can't stand up in approval of god and says no i'm not going to do it that way i'm not going to talk that way i'm not going to act that way i'm not going to be that way these are my priorities and are willing to go to against the grain of the majority of people then how are we going to stand up when they say and if you don't we're going to kill you and your children because that day is coming for sure the bible is very clear on that i don't know when but it's coming Make sure that your approval, like you aren't so enamored that people are big and God is small in your life. You got God, but you know, you really want the approval of people in that. So make sure. So uh, what made Obadiah use is he feared the Lord. And then in verse 5, Obadiah was faithful in his job. The very last thing, he was, he was a good faithful servant of ahab even though ahab was wicked now he didn't do anything wicked for ahab but he was a servant of ahab he did well in his job he helped his job prosper he helped him do well if you want to be successful in what god has in the future do well now do a good job right where you are right with the place that you have been placed do the very best you can with i mean like like Attitude and love and thrust in your life. You've got to do really, really, just amazingly good here. The Bible says that. I mean, think about these people. They are on the they are on the cusp of a complete economic collapse. We've got three and a half years of of drought. So the water is scarce, the food is scarce, the, now the grass is all gone, and they're like, if, if we don't find grass, I'm taking half of the animals, half the livestock, you're taking half, he trusts, He trusts Ahab trusts him with basically half of his wealth, and he says, go out and find some, and if not, we're gonna have to kill the horses, that's transportation is now wiped out, we're gonna have to have the mules, any type of burden, any type of heavy lifting, construction, you mules would have been to bring the, the materials into, is gone, he said the cattle. Food, Like, it is total economic collapse. And yet, Obadiah is faithful to the Lord in fearing God, but he's also faithful to try to save what can be saved in his current situation. He wanted it to prosper. He wanted it to prosper. And so, how are you doing with that? Especially if you're like me and you're kind of midlife. Like, there's enough success at this point that there's a lot of areas that I could coast on. And I've I've shared this with you, like I am fighting not to be that person. I am fighting not to enter my 50s and just talk about, you know, what I've done in the past, but to keep going. And and it's hard. It gets harder as I get older. I mean, I'm really and truly, and I have to be honest and I have to, uh, but I want to look at my life in the last 30 days and say, you know, would River Valley hire me again? If they knew everything that was going—would River Valley hire me again? Am I doing a good job right now? Not that I've done a good job in the past, and there, that should carry me through. Am I doing a good job right now? Obadiah was. He was continually faithful in all of those things. Now, here's what I think—here's something that I think we can learn so much from in Elijah. In, in uh, verse uh, 17, Ahab says, hey, you're the ruiner of everything. And, and, and Elijah says, no, you are. Uh-uh, uh-huh. That's basically what it is right there. So it's back and forth. So here's the deal. Um, there are some things that are going on in our world. And uh, man, there, there's some like, I feel like, sometimes I feel like Will Ferrell that I, you just want to stand up and go, and am I just taking crazy pills? I mean, I mean you, you know, like, I mean, you're just like, because it's just so, it's just so weird, man. You're just like, I just can't figure out. Like like how this is okay or how this is working out, and and Elijah stands up to Ahab. But what I want to, what I want you to see what he does that is so brilliant is Elijah does it in such a way. Next week we'll see it specifically as to bring the people who have kind of started to drift with this cultural change. Because basically this was a nation that was you know trying to serve God, and then Ahab came in and he brought in some he brought in some idolatry worship. And slowly, he's taking people away from the worship of God and into idolatry. And I, we see that in our day. We, I mean, it, you know, back in the 80s, I think it was there, but it was obscured. Now it's just blatant it out there. Everybody, I mean, they're just like, yep, that's what we're doing. Uh, you, you know, and we're trying to get your kids too. I mean, that's, that is happening. There's no doubt about it. How can we do it in such a way that we can call out sin but that we can reel people in to say, you know what? Because I think a lot of times what's happening is we're sitting there and we're yelling at the people that, that, that have drifted with that, and it doesn't do anything but push them further away. It doesn't do anything but alienate us from the world. There is a way, and we see with Elijah, and the reason we're going through this book is because there's a way to live in the world but not be like the world, and to bring the world back. To a love of Jesus Christ, and that 's what we want for you that 's what I want for you in your life, in your home, in your job with, you know it's t- in, in season out of season when it 's tough when it 's not convenient to bring people back to Christ and you to remain firm in that and we 're going to look at how to do that in the coming in the coming weeks and how Elijah does that, but I want you to think about those today because so many times what we do is we just uh, we, we don't use, you know, the Bible says seasoned with salt. We don't do it in a way that brings people to go, oh, you're right. That is foolish. That is destructive. That's not going to hurt. Tell me more about God. It really can happen. I tr- trust me, we're going to learn some of those things how to do it. So I want you to bow your heads right where you are. And I'm going to give you <clears throat> a vision in your life. Here's a vision. You die, you are instantly in the presence of the God of the universe. He is on his throne, which the Bible says there's no sun in heaven because the radiance of God illuminates everywhere. There's no shadows even because his his brilliance is through us. And you're standing in front of, of the God of the universe, and he looks at you and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I put you in charge of a few things, and you were faithful. Now come, I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into your master's joy. That in my opinion is a great vision of how to live your life. That you can be rest assured that your life, in the end of its days, that you will hear the words from the God of the universe, well done. I love that vision. I love it. It helps us. That's, that to me, and the reason I say this, to me, that's the ultimate success. It's the ultimate success. It's, it's not accolades here on earth. It's not promotion. It's not money. It's not fame. It's looking into the God of the universe and being faithful with the job that he gave you now so that you can handle more in the days to come and eventually in heaven. Well done, well done. You are a good, you are a faithful servant. The only way to do that is a long time. The only way to do that is from now till the day you die. The only way to do that is to surround yourself with godly people who will lift you up when you're hurting, who uh, you can give your talents and time to when they're hurting. The only way to do that is to fear the Lord versus the approval of men. Because there are moments where you will have to choose. The only way to do that is to be faithful now. Wherever you are, whatever it is that you are called to do, do the very best that you can right now. Some of you don't like your job. Some of you don't like your situation. But you have to be faithful now. Let Jesus work in you. You need a vision of well done. Live a well done life. Today, if you are here and you do not know the God of the universe, we don't get into heaven, into that place in in his throne room uh, by our works. We get there by the grace of God. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God. No one can boast about this. You can receive the salvation of jesus christ today you can let him come into your life and be your lord you can believe that he died on the cross for you you can believe that he was raised um, in eternal life in the resurrection you can let him be the lord the commander the leader of your life today let jesus be that for you if you have then how are you doing in the last 30 days and living a well-done life in every important realm of your life? Father, we thank you, God, that you can prepare us for the days ahead by what's going on today. It might be repetitious, probably a lot of times it's boring, God. But we know it is for your glory and we get up and we open our word and we look to you and say, God, what it is? what is it that you have for me today? We love you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.